Hey again, everybody. We are post game of the Raiders Browns on uh, Sunday. The uh, Raiders got their first win of the season, and uh, what Gruden said was felt felt like the first win in a hundred years is his first win in ten years, is in a in actual fact. And so it was a big monkey off of his back, big monkey off the Raiders' backs. Uh, I'm Levi Damian. I'm here with uh, Tyler Smith, and we're going to talk about it. So uh, yeah, it was. From my perspective, it was everything that we said it was going to be. It was a hard-fought game. This is a tough Browns team. We wanted to make sure in our before this game that that it was just understood just how how tough this team this team was this this Browns team and how big of an accomplishment it would be should the Raiders be able to come out of here with a win. This was not going to be a pushover game. Yeah, this this was going to be a hard-fought battle, and it absolutely proved to be that. And we touched on a few things going into the preview of this game last week. Um, one of the things that we touched on was the Browns' three-headed rushing attack. They've got Duke Johnson, they've got Carlos Hyde, and they've got Nick Chubb. And that really did come to fruition. The, the Browns were able to rotate guys in and out, and they did have guys fresh at the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, when they needed that fresh running back to be able to elude the Raiders' tacklers. The Raiders didn't tackle very well in this game at all. The Browns came in with the most missed tackles in football, but it was the Raiders who really looked out of sorts as far as tackling goes. Uh, now, Nick Chubb only had three carries, but he got, I think, 108 yards on those three carries, which uh, if he's going to get that, you wonder why the Browns didn't use him a little bit more. Uh, but when he was on the when he was on the field, he was incredibly effective. Now you were there, Levi. What did you see out of Nick Chubb and the Browns' rushing attack? Well, that's what I saw. Just like that, when you have three running backs, um, you always have somebody fresh, and uh, they would just drive. They would just punch the Raiders in the mouth with Carlos Hyde, uh, and uh, and then they would hand it off to Nick Chubb and get the home run. And that's what these uh, multiple multifaceted uh, rushing attacks can can offer. I mean, you saw it on the Raiders' side of the ball as well. I mean, Marshawn Lynch would just kind of um, just punch the Browns in the mouth, and then they would uh, use use uh, J- Jalen Richard for a little little speed out of the backfield as a receiver and whatnot. And and it ended up being that Marshawn Lynch actually was a home run threat as well. I just had some put up put up some impressive numbers: 130 yards. Including a 36, I'm sorry, um, a 52-yard run, his longest as a Raider, and uh, and they, the, the, those 130 yards he had were the most he's had since 2014, and so that's a that's a long time coming to see that that kind of game for Marshawn. We know what kind of player he is and kind of uh, uh, what he can do for this offense and what he's been doing all season. So he was due to uh, to put up these kind of numbers he did today. And, you know, we saw a lot of ground, good ground game for both these teams. Yeah, we sure did. The The Browns uh, really did try to get Carlos Hyde involved as their feature back. And I think he ran 22 times in the game, if I remember correctly. But he was only averaging about 3.7 yards to carry. The Raiders really did bottle him up for the most part. He got free a couple of times, um, but the Raiders did a pretty good job with him. They didn't really do a good job with Nick Chubb when he was in the game. He was just way too explosive. Uh, no, but and they were really out of position. This is the thing, though. I mean, you say that you look at the, you can look at the numbers and you say they bottled him up, but but you could you could you could look at the numbers of what Marshawn Lynch did these first three games and say that. But if you if you really looked at what he did in those games, um, he he was not 
he, he was not uh, getting bottled up in those first three games. He was a, he grinded out, get those short yards um, and keep the, keep the chains moving and getting those, you know, those one yard touchdowns and stuff like that. Carlos Hyde had a one yard touchdown run in this game. Now that may hurt his overall yards per carry, but he only had one yard to go and he got that one yard. Now that same token, you could say um, late in the game, he had that, he needed that first down. And at first that if he had, if the Browns had gotten that first down, they would have won the game right there. And after review, it was called just short. And that proved to be, the the game the difference in the game when the Raiders were able to get the ball back they were able to come back and tie it and eventually win it but uh but you know when you look at the details of the game and they they tell a little bit of a different story as far as the the yards per carry are concerned with uh guys like Carlos Hyatt and guys like Marshawn Lynch but let's let's turn it let's go to the other side of the ball and let's look at uh let's get, look at what uh what the Browns brought to the field from the defensive side what did you see well, one of the things that we had touched on was the Browns were going to have to really defend Jared Cook over the middle. Uh, and they had Joe Schober on him today, and Joe Schober didn't really do a whole lot. He was kind of lost in coverage, and Jared Cook kind of made him alive. And uh, that was a big a big thing for the Raiders to be able to have that safety valve, where if they needed a first down, they could go to Cook, or if they needed a short-yarded touchdown, they could go to Jared Cook in the red zone. And they did that, and they were able to do that pretty effectively. And Jared Cook had two touchdowns and 110 yards. Now, Joe Schober had a pretty good game overall with 14 tackles and a sack, but against Jerry Cook, he was absolutely lost. Uh, and the ability to defend the tight ends over the middle is going to be key for anybody who's going to play the Raiders this year, because that's just what the Raiders do. Uh, and so the Browns just did not have a good day with that whatsoever. Now, what did you see out of, out of Cook and the Browns linebackers today? Well, I mean, I don't think there's anything more I'm going to add. Jared Cook, he leads the league in receiving right now for good reason, uh, not just because he's a great tight end, but because, you know, Gruden loves his tight ends. And, you know, when he has a good one in Cook, um, he, he is – this is his second 100-yard game of the season. He put up – a lot of those yards came in overtime when the Raiders needed it the most. And, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a handful no matter who you're dealing with. Schobert's a pretty decent linebacker, but uh, there there aren't many linebackers in this league who are going to be able to be that complete linebacker um, and still be able to keep up with Cook, who's basically, in a lot of ways, just a big receiver. So, yeah. I mean, what do you, but, but if you switch over to like some of the, you know, some of the corners and in the secondary for the Browns, and we talked about how a lockdown there, their, their secondary has been through this, but they got a little injured. They got a little injured today, and I think that the uh, Raiders were able to take advantage of those injuries, the Terrence Mitchell, Mitchell and EJ Gaines, and and then you saw that um, you saw when TJ Carey was on Jordy Nelson on that two point conversion conversion, and they they victimized him. That's it. through no real fault of Carey's. He had great coverage on it. Just Jordy Nelson made one hell of a catch, really just um, strong arming that reception in there for to tie the game up, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you saw it all play out. The the Demarius Randall played fantastic. He was um, he was big for them. Having him available for the game was big. Uh, and you know, their pass rush in tandem with that, both uh, Miles Garrett and Ogba got into the backfield. Miles Garrett was living in the Raiders' backfield. So the fact that the Raiders were able to put up the kind of numbers that they put up against 
this defense is is really really quite impressive. Uh, I, they've they've faced a lot of good defenses throughout the season, and thus far they've been talking about it like, hey, we did really well despite the loss against great defenses. Now today they actually did really well, and they got the win against a great defense. And uh, you know part of it was losing those guys to injury, but uh, you can't really discount their victory because of that. Yeah, one of the things I noticed about the game was I was I was pretty interested to see in, on how Denzel Ward would do going into the game. Uh, you know, the cornerback for the Browns, the fourth overall pick, and I didn't hear his name at all, uh, which tells me that the Raiders didn't really try to challenge him whatsoever. And when Terrence Mitchell goes down on the other side, when you get down to EJ Gaines, and then he goes out, when you're down to your third cornerback, the Raiders' pass offense got better and better and better as the game went along. And that's, I think, why they were able to win in the end. Had Mitchell been in the game the entire time, I don't think Derek Carr would have had the kind of success that he ended up having in the end, throwing for over 400 yards for four touchdowns. I just don't think that happens. When you get down to a third-string guy, you're going to allow more yards. You're not going to have as much success as you would otherwise, and that's just part of the game. That's just bad luck. Um, but good for the Raiders for taking advantage of that. Yeah. I, th- uh, I think really there are a few like keys here uh, in my mind. And, uh, to to this game. I mean, first of all, it was spreading the ball around. They uh, they set a franchise mark since the AFL merger, having um, a 400 yard passer, 100 yard rusher, and 200 two 100 yard receivers. I mean that that and if you look at that, they had three 100 yard guys in this game, and they had three 100 yard guys in the rest of the season leading up to this. Now they had Cook over over 100 yards in the open, then Amari Cooper over 100 yards in the next game, and then Jordy Nelson over 100 yards last week. And when they came into this game, um, and Gruden basically admitted to this, he admitted to this after the game in, in, a, in a roundabout way that we remember, remember we had talked about how, hey, is Martavis Bryant next? Is he due? Because logically speaking, if you think, Cook, Coop, and Nelson have all gotten had their days that Martavis is up. And he essentially said that that was the plan. The plan was to get the ball to Martavis so he could have a big game. And and even though they they weren't he wasn't able to have a big game, the all the other guys stepped up around and had big games themselves. So I think that I mean getting spreading the ball around I think was a big key in this game for sure. Yeah, and you could you could tell sort of in the game plan that that Martavis was a, a big part of what they were trying to do. They went deep to him early, and the ball was underthrown, and he dropped it. He probably should have caught it. Uh, it didn't no, I, up- absolutely, he should have caught it. It was a little underthrown, but that's what you. That was a actually a perfect pass in that situation because he was so wide open. You all, what you really wanted, what Carr really wanted to do in that situation is not overthrow him. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he couldn't make the adjustment and catch it, I couldn't even like. I couldn't even. It wasn't even saying it was a drop. Didn't even cover it. It was so bad. Yeah, and it didn't end up mattering because the Raiders did score with an Amari Cooper touchdown pass mm-hmm, on yeah. that drive. Um, but still, that is gonna, that's a perfect example. Yeah, that's, that's going to the confidence that the team has in Brian. That, and is he going to be a focal point of the offense going forward? I hope so because he has the speed to get away where maybe some of the other receivers wouldn't. But he has to show better hands than that, and he has to show better awareness than that. He just has to be a more complete player, and he's just not. And it's just a little disappointing. Well, that's what, ex- exactly. It, it's very disappointing. Um, I, uh, the, the thing about it is, you know, you can look at it like 
they wanted to get him the ball. They wanted to ha- him to have a big game. He wasn't able to have a big game. He did have a couple of a couple of good catches there, and he you know he caught three passes for fifty one yards, um, and he had his longest uh, reception as a Raider in this game. He had his longest reception before this game was nineteen yards. That was last week, and he had a twenty eight yarder. And had he caught that big long one um, for the touchdown, like he should have, it would have been much longer. But they, I, but you really, I look at that and you, and you say, oh my God, what a huge missed opportunity. And yet the Raiders went right back to the line of scrimmage and drove right down the field and scored anyway. And you're like, oh, okay. All right. Well, um, <laughs> you look at the past three weeks and you say, uh, had they done that in those three games, that would have been a punt for sure. I mean, they would never have been able to, to pick themselves up and uh and spread and get the ball spread around and you know have everybody contributing um say well if we can't get one guy to make the touchdown catch then we'll spread the ball around and we'll get it we'll get it there with the rest of the team and that again that's a spread the ball around thing and i think it was it was really big another thing that i think is really big in this and there's a lot of them and and mainly it comes down to like uh it, it was all facets because the defense for the Raiders may have given up 42 points, but they were also very opportunistic. And in, I, and I, at least two of those cases, those fumble recoveries by Jonathan Hankins, both of them, he didn't cause the fumble in both cases, but he recovered in both cases. And in both cases, the Raiders were able to convert those into touchdowns. Huge. And then the uh, big, kick return or punt return by uh, Dwayne Harris that led to a score as well. Uh, just being able to use the, to succeed in all facets and then to use these, um, these, uh, these plays on defense, these plays on special teams to convert points out of them. Uh, that that's how teams, that's how teams win. That's how you win in this league. Now, one of the things I, that really struck me about this game was the fact that the Raiders scored 31 points after halftime, whereas they had really, really struggled with that for the first three games. What did you see that was different about this team's execution from the first three games of the season as far as after halftime adjustments and how they executed the game plan? Well, I saw, and I go back to that, uh, I was talking about with that uh, Mark Davis Bryant drop and uh, what we saw after that. I just saw them just kind of be unruffled. You know, they just, uh, I saw Derek Carr from 2016 is what I saw. You, you saw him miss, you saw him miss that throw way off of Amari Cooper in the end zone on fourth down um, and think, and I very nearly, I was like typing, like very nearly going to say, oh, well, that's it, game over. But I thought, no, not officially, not technically. If this happens, that happens. It's not completely over, so I'm not about to say that. And then, with each moment, you're thinking, wait, they, they have more than just a, uh, a glimmer of a hope to, to get this done. Down eight points, that's one score. Well, it's, I mean, you got to put the ball in the end zone twice, but it's still a one-score game, and there's still a decent amount of time on the clock. Should, they, um, should everybody, should every, you know, the defensive side of the ball, should they make the stop, and should the offense – um, drive the ball down the field. It had a very 2016 feel to it, being able to come back um, and and win the game despite mistakes because Derek Carr still did throw two interceptions in this game. One of them was pretty bad, um, trying to force the ball to Martavis Bryant 
it goes back to what we're saying about them wanting him to have a have a good game. So they, so he um, tried to force the ball to him, and uh, and the you know that's when Zanarius uh, Randall came over and picked it off, and they just be you know shake it off, get back out there and make up for it, and it was uh, that's the difference I saw. I mean it's it's almost kind of like it's almost obvious in a way, just the the, the poise we saw not just from not just from Derek Carr, from kind of pretty much everybody. And you did some, you didn't see at all in those first games. It's a lot, it's really easy to, to, uh, to go take your scripted drives and put some points on the board. But then what you do after that, when the pressure's on, when it's, when you're not, when you're off script and you have to improvise and, um, and still be able to get things done. That's what I saw. What was the atmosphere like in the stadium? I mean, juxtaposing when the Raiders were down and it looked bleak for them and then they came back and ended up winning how, how was the how was the feeling in the stadium what were people what were people saying and doing how, how was the noise level and i guess just the overall i guess the overall just feeling in the stadium what, what was it like well i go back to the beginning of the game um and i i'm looking out at the crowd and i'm thinking you know this doesn't look like a crowd that's down on a team that's 0 and 3 I still only saw, you know, speckles of orange. I didn't see like mass selling their tickets to Browns fans or anything like that. It was still like a sea of black. It was still sold out from what I could tell. And they were rowdy. They were rowdy. Um, they were, they got a little, eh, when the Raiders went three and out on their first two drives, but then that Gary and Conley inter- uh, pick six, I mean, they went crazy. And when they, um, when the Browns uh, took, you know, started took back the lead late in the game and then extended the lead. It got pretty quiet in here. It got really quiet and and there were, there were boos and it was, uh, there was a, here we go again feeling. They were like, Oh, everything seemed different this time. The Raiders actually came back and, and retook the lead late only to give it away. And, and, and then it looked and then it seemed hopeless. It was pretty, pretty lethargic in here um, with, with the fans. And I think that there were, and I, I looked around and quite a few of them had actually left um, because like I said, I thought myself when he missed that pass to Amari, okay, time to start heading toward the exit. And I think a lot of people did. And I think I heard somebody say that there were fans that were trying to get back in once everything kind of like, ah, well, oh my God, they tied it up. They're going to overtime. I want to see the game. It's like too late, buddy. You left, you know, traffic is not worth it. You, you think you want to, you want to beat traffic and you're going to miss out. You, uh, I mean, that's uh, you're running the risk of missing out on something big happening and, and you missed out. So, but yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty nuts for the people that, that stuck around. There's a lot of some pretty, uh, excited disbelief that it worked out the way it was. I certainly, I certainly couldn't believe it. It was because the, if you, I don't know, they have those things that track the, uh, the odds of actually pulling out the win things. And I'm sure wherever it was, it was somewhere pretty low for the Raiders odds of actually um, coming, driving the ball, stopping the Browns, taking the ball back down the field, scoring a touchdown, scoring the two point conversion, taking it to overtime and then winning it. Uh, we're, I know we're talking about the Browns here, but uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's still, they're still an NFL team. They're still tough. The Raiders, uh, 
did it. So. Yeah, but you're right, though. I was actually following the win expectations. Uh, and on the Browns' last drive, it was somewhere around 94% <laughs> victory. Uh, and the Raiders just completely turned that around with some some absolutely terrific play. Um, but I'm not surprised that people weren't discouraged going into this game. Um, because going into Sunday's play, the first three opponents that the Raiders have had this year combined for a total of one loss. Now, that doesn't include today's game and the Miami losing to New England, but the only loss that the Raiders' opponents had had going into Sunday's play uh, was the Broncos losing to the Ravens last week. So the, the Raiders have had a really, really difficult schedule, um, and, and they've played perhaps better than one might have anticipated given the quality of their opponents. Uh, my, my question is for you is, uh, how do you feel the Raiders should build on this? What can we expect for them going forward? Do you think they can keep up this level of play? Well, I certainly think that it um, instills a feeling in them that they of a, they had a, a feeling of uncertainty. And like there was a lot of talk about, hey, we're one way, we're one play away from being a great team, from being explosive, from from you know change, turning things around. But it's 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 all words until you actually do it and you put it on the field and and accomplish it. And and now that they know, now that it's like, okay, now we know. Now it's not just talk. Now we know we can actually, we can do it and we have it in us to do it. And I mean, I think it, it'll set you on the right course. They have a t another tough matchup next week against the, against the Chargers in LA. And, uh, and so that'll, that'll, that'll say, you know, that's going to be another huge test to see if they can, they can do it again. I don't think it diminishes what they did this week if they weren't able to to pull it out. It's still, you still have this on, on tape. You still say, um, it's something we can do, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they have to, they have to string some things together because after, after LA, it's off to London, um, to face the Seahawks, which is, they're not a great team. So you, you, you think they should, that's a game they should win. But once you, once you leave the continental United States and go over, overseas you never know what kind of weird things i say i mean we talk about like going to the east coast and trying to pull out wins yeah that's that's nothing compared to going halfway around the world and pulling out a win so there's still a lot to prove uh but uh this was a huge like monkey off their back they go you go oh and four and uh with like four heart gut-wrenching losses and you, you just don't know what you, you start questioning naturally if you have it in you to, to do it. Now they, I think tonight they showed that they do. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that we got the game against the Chargers coming up. So we'll be back later this week with a, a game preview for the Chargers. Yeah, we'll definitely be back for that. Uh, so I guess we'll, uh, we'll sign off for this one. It's, uh, it's getting kind of late here in Oakland. So um, thanks again for listening. Um, I'm sure everybody's pretty happy about the Raiders finally getting a, getting a win or at least pretty relieved that they did. And uh, we will talk to everybody again um, later this week uh, in preparation for the Chargers. Uh, talk to you guys then from Silver and Black Pridecast.
Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.